Uh, grab your Bibles, if you will. And we are going to turn to Luke chapter 15. And we've completed an entire chapter, and we're going to read an entire one this morning. All right. So, here, we go. here we go. You guys ready for this? Maybe? 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 All right. Luke 15. Strap in. All the tax collectors and sinners were approaching to listen to him. And the Pharisees and scribes were rejoicing. Oh, no. Complaining. Moaning. This man welcomes sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. What man among you has a hundred sheep and loses one of them? does not leave the 99 in the open field and go after the lost one until he finds it. When he has found it, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. And coming home, he calls his friends and neighbors together, saying, saying to them, Rejoice with me, because I have found my lost sheep. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous people who don't need repentance. Or what woman who has 10 silver coins, this is usually a dowry, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. When she finds it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, rejoice with me because I have found the silver coin I lost. I tell you in the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. He also said, a man had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the estate that I have coming to me. So he distributed the, the assets to them. Not many days later, the younger son gathered together all he had and traveled to a distant country where he squandered his estate in foolish living. After he had spent everything, a famine struck that country and he had nothing. Then he went to work for one of the citizens of that country who sent him into his fields to feed pigs. He longed to eat his fill from the pods that the pigs were, were eating, but no one would give him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, Oh, how many of my father's hired workers have more than enough food? And here I am dying of hunger. Ah, I'll get up, go to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants, your hired workers. So he got up and went to his father. But, (laughs) while his son was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion. He ran, threw his arms around his neck and kissed him. The son said to him, Oh, father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father told his servants, Quick, bring out the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Then bring the fattened calf and slaughter it. And let's celebrate with a feast. Because this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost. And is found. So they began to celebrate. Now his older son was in the field. As he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. He summoned one of his servants, questioning what these things meant. Oh, your brother is here, he told him. 
And your father has slaughtered the fattened calf because he has, he has him safe back and send, safe back safe and sound. Then he became angry and didn't want to go in. So his father came out and pleaded with him. But he replied to his father, Look, I have been slaving many years for you, and I have never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me a goat so that I could even celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has devoured your assets with whores, you slaughtered the fattened calf for him? Son, he said to him, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate and rejoice because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Lord Jesus. Jesus, thank you. You are the God who seeks after us, who loves us everyone who loves your people, who seeks and saves those who are lost. That there's no partiality with you, God. You seek all because you are the God for everyone. Everyone who will believe and come into the party and celebrate with you, God. Lord, stir in our hearts and affection and a love and a passion for your word and for you, our great Savior and Father. Open your word to us here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. I knew I wasn't going to be able to make it through that. <laughs> I, was I was crying in the coffee shop. <laughs> when I was reading it. Oh, my goodness. That's, it's amazing that, that was, this is a sermon that it was for this Sunday. And that's the, basically what felt like the entire theme of this last weekend. We read it the very first morning, and that was the theme for basically the whole, the whole weekend was this passage, and we're reading it here this morning. And the one video that I find for Reckless Love is the one where he goes and he reads Luke 15. I'm like, God wants us to understand this passage this morning. God wants us to understand and see his heart, see the Father's heart for you this morning. And so the, the, the basis of this passage here this morning is that we have, we worship the God who runs. The God who runs. This all begins because Jesus is having dinner with the wrong people according to human standards. And, and so as we, as we look at this passage, we see this theme. When it goes, runs, chases. Um, the first session it was actually the, song that, the, the name of the song that I wrote, The God Who Runs. You are the God who runs. You chasing after me. I don't remember the full chorus, so, <laughs> but I'll, I'll play the work tape sometime. But it was it was the it's the God who 
runs. And as we look at all three of these passages, we see the lost. So this is the parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin. And this actually in, in my Bible is, is titled the lost son, not necessarily the prodigal son, the, the lost son. But I would even, even go so far as to even fulfill each passage. It's not the parable of the lost. It's, a par- it's the parable of the found. It's the parable of the found sheep. It's the parable of the found coin. It's the parable of the found son. And I would actually even go even further than that and say this is the parable of the party. Because as we see, the the basis for this, the the order of this, is that there, there is seeking that which is lost. Finding and ministering in that moment restoring and bringing back to to fruition and 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 bringing you know, bringing it back to where it was before and not even just back to where it was before but often better than it was before and then finally celebration each one of these passages has both a physical celebration gathering people to celebrate and the celebration in heaven the celebration in god's kingdom It says, there's joy in the presence of God's angels over one sinner who repents. Joy. Joy. From the very beginning, all the way back to the very beginning, when he has found it, this is the sheep, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders. It's interesting, I've I've heard this passage preached this way because of like some random guy conversation with some Bedouin over in, you know, Middle East somewhere about the shepherd like breaking this land this sheep's legs and then nursing it back to health to teach him not to wander like god will discipline you and punish you to keep you close this is written in no history books anywhere he grabs the lamb puts it on his shoulder and joyfully brings it back restores it to the flock and shepherds it through the pastures carries it back this is joy like joyfully puts it on his shoulders it's an act of compassion not a harsh punishment jesus doesn't need to to break the legs of the sheep for for them to follow him what does what does jesus say about the sheep in, in john 10 the sheep know his voice and follow them and the sheep follow the shepherd and here's the thing you will never see a sheep by itself with a shepherd unless he's like going off to chase it and bring it back but what is the thing you will always see a shepherd with a flock you'll always see a shepherd with a lot of sheep a whole flock of them and one of what he was so joyful to bring it back to the flock to the rest of the sheep to the people and they rejoin the flock This parable is not just about our seeker God, but it's also about our response. It has a call to what? To repent, to change the mind. Repentance, metanoia. We've been talking about, and here's as a reminder again, the word metanoia that's often translated as repent is meta, meaning change, and noieo, meaning mind, thinking, trajectory, what what guides your decision-making processes. So change your, your direction, change your mind, and you change your trajectory. You change the, your destiny, as, as some people might, might say it. 
And so while God seeks, he doesn't force. He woos. I love that word. Woo! He woos. He dates. He pursues. He shows his goodness so that we will desire. I love this, uh, this poem. You ever, everyone's heard the footsteps? Have you heard the, first, heard the footsteps? One? A little different take on it. <clears throat> one night, I had a wondrous dream. One set, of, one set of footprints there was seen. The footprints of my precious Lord. But mine were not along the shore. But then some strange prints appeared, and I asked the Lord, what have we here? Kind of sounds like Dr. Seuss. <laughs> Those prints are large and round and neat, but Lord, they are too big for feet. My child, he said in somber tones, for miles I carried you alone. I challenged you to walk in faith, but you refused and made me wait. You disobeyed would not, and you would not grow. The walk of faith you wouldn't know. So I got tired, I got fed up, and there I dropped you on your butt. Because in life there comes a time when one must fight and one must climb. One must rise and take a stand or leave their butt prints in the sand. So let's look at this. The sinners, the, the lost. The lost is, as the Bible says. This is the, the main theme of all of Luke, as we've been saying, that Jesus is for everyone. And that Jesus, was, as we'll read uh, in Luke 19 later on, will say that Jesus has come to seek and to save the lost. The Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So the lost. I like to see, to think as, of this as well as the distracted. Distracted with the worldly pleasures. Think about the soil, right? The seed that was sown among the, the thorns, it grew up with the, the pressures of life, the distractions of life, the, 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 the lures and the temptations of, of things of this world grew up and choked it. This is the distracted. He's going after this soil. So they have this need. Every, everyone who wanders and gets distracted, even us in the church, we get distracted. We forget who we are. We, like, like he says, like, like James says, look at ourselves in the mirror and, and walk away and forget what we look like. And we all have different moments in our lives where God's like trying to get our attention and we wake up and we're like, oh, I didn't even realize I had a blind spot there. And so this is God saying, turn back to God. Change your mind. Shift directions. I'm opening your eyes to see this area of growth, the area that, that you have need of. A blind spot in your life. And so when you, when you now see it, change your mind about that and align yourself with what God thinks about that. Come into agreement with that God's way is better, that He is better than the world. So this word, you know, repentance, you know, this, this changing, you know, repentance to the Pharisees and, and, the, and the lawyers, these law experts in the, in the Jewish realm. You know, to them, rep- repentance was a turning to the, uh, to the purity standards and law observance, back to the re- rules and regulations of man. 
according to the scribal traditions, right? Metanoia, um, quite literally, is people renouncing their former ways. Us renouncing our former ways of life, our, the way that we used to live our, our everyday lives, and devoting ourselves to walk by faith, by walking by the Holy Spirit. To say, I'm giving up control. I'm giving up the driver's seat. I'm giving up thinking that I know best. And I believe that you do. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to follow you. You cannot live a life of faith in Christ without renouncing the world and its ways. And when we have these areas in our lives, these blind spots in our lives that we're still growing and that we're still maturing and given to us, woken up into these areas, we need to metanoia to agree with God and renounce the worldly ways. Because oftentimes we have these old tapes that we don't even know are playing in the background of our lives. I am this, I am that. We take upon ourselves false identities because of old tapes running in the background. And then we, we like, God opens our ears to hear the tape that's running in the background. And so then we need to take that old tape and throw it out. Or overwrite it. Write over it with truth. Write over it with who you are. With right identity. With right knowledge. You cannot, I'm sorry. Yeah, the metano- this metanoia includes an invitation Jesus' call to these Pharisees and, and lawyers is to renounce their traditions and the structures of man. For them, it wasn't the licentiousness of the world, like the, the drunkenness and, and loose, loose relationships. For them, their sin, their worldly ways was their religion, was their religious legalism. They'd put all these things in, in the way of God. As the Bible calls it, asceticism. Severity to the body. Severity to our lives. Restrictions. Laws. Rules. Regulations above and beyond God. That aren't God. And so this is Jesus saying, you need to put those things down just like you're accusing these sinners of needing to put those things down. You both have equal amount of things that you need to put down and walk away from them to come to where the Father's heart is in true freedom. Drop the religious act. Align yourself with grace. Align yourself with Jesus. It is, an, it is an invitation to his great and, I love the song, reckless love. And this love you don't earn. You can't lose God's love. Think about the prodigal son. As we, as we look through this parable, you know, what, I just want to, what are some things that we can see that he, he asked his God, I'm sorry, asked his God, asked, asked his father, to you know, give, give me my share of the inheritance. Basically saying, I want to live as though you are dead. Basically, the, his share in the estate was most likely the land that they had. And so his father most likely split the land in two. 
that was going to be his inheritance. And what did he do? He sold it. That alone, the father should have killed him. Because that's family land. You don't sell that. And not only that, but what did he do? He sold, he stayed around. He stuck around. Like rubbing it in his father's face. And then what did he do? He left. He left us. You don't do that in the ancient culture. You were, he was given the, the, the land to cultivate and to build a home on and to cultivate his family and spread and, and build the legacy of the family. Build the clan. Build the name. Build the tribe. But he sold it and left. And he went into a Gentile land. And this was where it gets even worse for this guy. Because what is it? He went into the land to tend the pigs. This is a Gentile land. This is dirty people and dirty land. And he is out there doing dirty things in this land. He is completely, this is basically Jesus trying to articulate that this son went as bad and as far away as he could from the love of God, from the love of the father. And then he got desperate. And he ran. He, he convinced himself. He's like, what am I doing? What am I doing? Even the slaves in my father's house have three meals a day, have a place to sleep and work, you know, work to put their hands to. I, why am I wasting away out here? See, even his son remembered the grace and the love of God, even his father, even for his slaves. That his father would treat even the household slaves better than he was even treating himself. And so he turned. And there's a little bit of, of hope in this guy's mind that maybe my father will have me back. I wanted to treat him as though he was dead. I renounced the family. I, I, I basically cursed the family, brought curses on my family by selling our land, by taking the money, and it's gone. But most of all, wanting to live as though he had already died. But there was still hope that maybe he'll accept me back, even if just as a slave. And he goes. He, can, he has this whole script in his head. Father, I've sinned against you and against heaven. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your slaves. So he goes. Where's the father? He's waiting. He's on the porch with his binoculars. Okay, they didn't have binoculars. But where's my son? When is he coming home? He said, when he was still a far way off, his father saw him. Your father sees you. He sees you. And what did he do? He waited for him on the porch with a shotgun. No. He ran. He got out of his chair and ran to his son. This was shameful. 
for an elderly man in this culture. You walk dignified. This guy was like, I'm throwing off all dignity. What use is it anyway? I'm running to my son. I'm running to my son. And I threw his arms around him and kissed him and heaped love and affection on him. And my son didn't know what to do with this. He's, he was just, he'd been, you know, probably this whole trip back to like try recite, reciting his script back to himself, back to himself. And he starts it. He's like, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And the father's like, shut up. Quick! <laughs> Quick, grab the robe! Grab the ring! Put it on his finger! That ring was a, was a sign of honor, indicating that this man is my son. He is not to be tr- treated as a slave. He is my son. He didn't even let the let him give his spiel. He didn't care about his about all these things. He loved that his son was home. The father doesn't care or consider what the son thought of his own worth. The father showed his son his true worth. When the son had forgotten his value, the father showed it to him. If you have to earn, deserve love, if you fear you could lose it, if you could lose it, or hinder it in any way, then it's not love. It's not agape. It is not God. If you could affect it at all, it's not love. But what you do or say, it ain't love. You have God's love. You have God's affection. You have God's attention. You have His utter devotion and faithfulness to you. Why? Because you chose to. The son did everything to undeserve it. And yet still, he had it. He had the father's devotion and favor because God decided to give it and all we have to do is receive it. All we have to do is say, okay, dad. Just sit there and let the servants put the darn robe on you and the, finger, and the ring on your finger. That's all we have to do. God loves coming and looking for those who are lost and then throwing a party. God decided, I'm going to love, fill in your name, and it's going to blow their ever-loving mind and it's going to be awesome. Now, Let's throw a party. Let's throw a party. Because God is a seeker, each of us is also a seeker because he has given us his Holy Spirit to make us seekers. Now in our world today, you know, the, the fields aren't necessarily ripe for harvest. 
They're not really necessarily white for harvest. I, I think this, this, the, that passage that Jesus you know, says in the, in, the, in the New Testament has often been too loosely used. Because there are seasons where maybe the, 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 you know, maybe the fields just need to be burned and tilled under to give the nutrients back to the soil and then, and then cultivate the fields again. Right? We see these flows of revival and drought, revival and drought, even spiritually in our own world. And even this, in this time right now, I think that we are in that the time where maybe the fields are not necessarily ripe for harvest, but they're getting there. They're getting there. No soil is too far gone. As the parable of the soil, as we talked about, you know, the, the parable about those who are invited to the banquet displays for us, God doesn't give up. It's not too late. If you're not dead, God's not done. If others aren't dead, here's the thing, if others aren't dead, then God's not done seeking others through you. Because you're the way that God seeks them. We are the way that God seeks others. You have a special position in people's lives that I don't have. That's why I say, I can't do everything in this church. I'm not the, I'm not the five-fold ministry wrapped up into one. Like, we are God's ministers. Each one of us is a member, a minister of the gospel of Jesus Christ. You have been given a call to be a seeker with God. You are a seeker with Him. You have a special anointing, a special calling in the people's lives around you to show them the gospel, to proclaim the gospel, to speak the words of the gospel, to give them the phone call, to give them the invitation, to ask him out for coffee, to spend intentional time and love in their lives to show them Jesus. If they're not dead, then God's not done through you yet. I love this quote from uh, Spurgeon. He said, If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our dead bodies. And if they perish, let them perish with our arms wrapped around their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, let it be filled in the teeth of our exertions and, not, and let not one go unwarned and unprayed for. We are a part of the people of God, a God who seeks people. And one of the things that, I, that, I, that we need to, as a, as a church culture, to, to cultivate and to figure out how to do it, because the thing it's not really a thing right now that I can, that I can tell from my, from my post on Facebook, is that we don't really know how to party in the church. You know, we need to learn how to celebrate, how to party. God loves looking for those who are lost, and then what? Throwing a party! When we baptize people, we ought to throw a party. How do we party? It doesn't matter how these things get, these people get lost. It matters, it's the focus is on the finder, the God who seeks, the God who finds. And that is why we party. That is why we celebrate. I love this imagery of the fattened calf and the party. This fattened calf 
we often translate it as, is, is actually, it's, it's like a grain-fed uh, cow that is typically the one that's saved up for worship in the temple. So this is a holy cow. <laughs> Didn't even mean to do that. <laughs> this is a holy cow. Holy cow! And so he says what? Take it and slaughter it and let's celebrate. Let's worship God because my son was dead and is now alive. He was lost and now he's found. So now let's worship. That's what a party is in the church. That is what the celebration is in God, among God's people. Because if we don't, what happens? We can be like the older brother. We can, the attitude of the older brother left him outside, bitter, alone, and without joy. If the angels in heaven know how to party, if Israel knew or and knows how to party, if there is anyone in all of creation who should know how to party and celebrate, it should be the church. We have the greatest reason to party in the world. We have the greatest cause for celebration in all of creation. We have Jesus Christ and His Holy Spirit. God's new creation people. Now, the word party has been distorted in in our society, has it not? You think of, you know, ragers, you know, drunken ragers, orgies, all sorts of weird craziness self-worship is basically what parties are. I go to a party to self-worship, to fill myself up. What God created good and beautiful, the enemy always loves to distort and to destroy. But God loves to redeem things, as we learned this morning. God loves to redeem that which the world has distorted And that even includes hurt. We can turn hurt into compassion. This is the point of, of the entire passage. Because remember, all the way, this, all three of these passages, all three of these parables as we wrap up, were appeals to the Pharisees to stop being Pharisees. Stop being such a legalistic, hard-hearted jerk. This was... Yeah, and basically Jesus is saying, stop hurting God's people with your crap. Put the crap down and pick up grace. Pick up grace. Pick up God's goodness. Pick up God's heart. Turn your hard-heartedness, hard-hearted reality into compassion, into love, into generosity. When you've experienced the love of the Father, the criticisms of of others become powerless to being harmed. And you can turn this hurt into compassion. You can turn the hurt from religious people into compassion for the religious people. I used to be so hard-hearted against religious people, against legalistic judgmental, dismissive people. But now my heart just breaks for them. 
My heart just says, you're missing so much joy. Sitting there on your face. He didn't translate their message right. He said crap in a sermon. I know you're thinking it. <laughs> the Father not only shows that He has generous grace and love for the lost and the disoriented person, but He also has more than enough grace, more than enough love, more than enough compassion for the self righteous as well. God isn't finished. They are also not too far gone. If they're not dead, God ain't done. God can turn any hard heart into a heart of flesh and love. I love, and I'll end with this quote from N.T. Wright. He says, The two halves of creation, heaven and earth, were meant to fit together and be in harmony with each other. If you'll discover what is going on in heaven, you'll discover how things are meant, were meant to be on earth. That's what Jesus is saying here. The angels in heaven are celebrating, so you should too. He's saying to the Pharisees, the angels in heaven are rejoicing because sinners are lost and sinners are coming to faith and discovering grace, discovering the love of God. Even the angels are celebrating, so you should too. Stop being... And be like, Yeah! High kick. Too early in the morning. Celebrating joy. The church should be the, the place where people go to where they experience the most exuberant and authentic and oh joy. Even in the midst of sorrow, there's still joy. You may not be happy, but we can have confidence in the hope of Christ and have joy. That's why I always love to say that the, that the number two most joyful time in all of existence, almost jo- the second, second jo- most joyful person in the most... Anyway, the second most joyful person... <sighs> I articulated this so much better the other day. The second most joyful time in all of history experienced by a person... There you go was when Jesus was dying on the cross, looking down at the people in front of him and saying, this is worth it. And the number one time in all of human history of joy experienced by a person was when Jesus took that first step out of the grave. And he knew that it had been accomplished for their sin to be washed away, all of our sin to be washed away, And this was his first step in saying, this is new life. Joy knowing that it was fulfilled and joy knowing that it's just the beginning. Just the beginning of our joy. So we, as the church, are invited to experience God's joy. How how does God want us to experience his joy? joy for everyone because Jesus is for everyone. Lord Jesus, I thank you for our time here this morning. Stir within us, Lord, 
There's so many things in, the, in these passages that we could just really go way down into the details of, but Lord, help us to get a glimpse of your joy, of the celebration in heaven, and the celebration in our hearts as, as people come to faith in you, Jesus, and are filled with your Holy Spirit. Lord, bring us more joy. Increase our joy by seeing people come to faith in Jesus through the word of our testimony, by the power, by the blood of Christ and the word of our testimony, Lord. Let us see people coming to faith through our testimonies, through, our, through, through you empowering us and, our, and, and sending our feet to go and share the gospel boldly, not being afraid, but seeing it as an opportunity for your joy to break through in every person's life that we come in contact with. Lord, stir with, uh, within us, inspire us, and, and send us with, a, with, a, with a, just a skip in our step, a leap to our life, and love on our lips. For it's in Jesus' name we pray all these things. Amen.